morning and welcome back to another episode of 56-Bit Cloud Cafe. I'm Atir Dalal and today we have an exciting episode lined up as we delve into the wonders of the EC2 universe. Welcome back to our new episode of EC2. Uh, today we will be continuing our previous episode with Patrick. Hello Patrick. Hello Atir, thank you. Uh, we have new topics to go through them and new questions to be asked. So let's begin. First of all, I would like to ask you about the load balancing. For those who are unfamiliar, why is load balancing very important in the context of EC2? And how can it improve its performance? So load balancing basically means splitting your traffic onto more than one server. As we already said in the last episode, the server client model works by asking questions to to, to, to the server and the server replying to those requests. The more requests you have, the more power you need on those servers. Now, if you have a single server, you can increase the power of that single server, but this will have limits there are limits to how much you can go higher in terms of cpu and in terms of memory and also it reduces your reliability if you have a single server because it is one point of failure it can fail so ideally you split that into multiple servers to be able to do that to have those requests coming in and split between different servers you need another resource which we call a load balancer and it will literally put one request on one server, another request on another, on another server, and then on the first server again, and then on another server, etc., etc. You might have two, you might have 30 servers, and it will load balance between them. Okay, so, and when it comes to implementing load balancing with EC2, how does Elastic Load Balancer come into play? So, as we said, load balancing is very important to split those requests between different servers, both from a reliability perspective, but also from a performance perspective. The more requests you have, the more traffic you have, the more servers you will need. There are companies which we deal with at 56-bit on a daily basis with that have hundreds of servers, each of them providing answers to those requests, depending on the amount of traffic. Now, a load balancer is a concept in IT. So it is a concept where you split the traffic, but that resource can be a software on a a different server. It can be on-premise, it can be in the cloud. It can be done in many ways. Elastic load balancing, on the other hand, is a specific AWS service which does this, which does load balancing. It is a highly reliable, highly secure, and very scalable resource where you just, in a couple of clicks, set it up and ultimately have requests coming in being split on those multiple servers. It's fully managed by AWS, so you don't have to manage it yourself. So it is one option in terms of load balancing which allows us to do this in an easy manner. And we usually go for it by default because it's very, very powerful. Okay, perfect. Moving on to storage options in EC2. There is Elastic Block Store and the Instance Store. 
Could you help our listeners understand the differences and how they can choose the right storage solution for their specific requirements? Okay, so storage is a beast on its own, right? So we have EC2, which provides compute. We have elastic load balancing, which provides load balancing, splitting those requests on multiple servers. But those servers require storage. And when we say storage, we mean block storage. Block storage is a type of resource which allows us to install operating systems on those servers, and it allows us to install applications and keep data on those EC2 instances. Now, block storage in AWS comes in two flavors. There is the permanent storage, meaning once you save the data, unless you delete it yourself, it will not be deleted, even if you delete the server. So this is a separate resource attached to that instance. If you delete the instance, literally delete it completely, this storage will remain. This is known as EBS, Elastic Block Storage. It's elastic because it's very, very scalable. You can have terabytes and petabytes of data attached to one or more servers. Then there is also a different type of block storage, which is known as instance storage. This is where servers will have a volume. A volume is basically the way we see that block storage, but it is completely attached to the server. So if you delete the server, that data, that volume will be deleted as well. So it is not permanent and you cannot use it for permanent things. If you want to save your data in a database, you cannot use instant storage. There are use cases for it, but most of the time we go by default for EBS, which is more permanent and allows you very nice features like backups. It's very scalable, very, very performant. It has huge, it supports huge speeds in terms of storage performance itself. Now let's talk networking in EC2. Virtual private cloud is a fundamental concept. Could you give our listeners a brief overview of VPC Essential and the role it plays in EC2? Sure thing. So any server, wherever it is situated, whether it is on-premise, in the cloud, or anywhere else, requires networking. Networking is what joins that server to the rest of the world, to the other applications on other servers. It joins it to the internet. It's networking at its basic. Now, when it comes to AWS, networking is always created using what are known as virtual private clouds, VPCs. A VPC is this resource completely separate from EC2, but EC2 depends on it because it's at the bottom in terms of networking, in terms of creating connections with the rest of with the other resources. So if you need to connect to the internet, you need a VPC. If you need to connect to another resource on AWS, like an elastic block storage, like a, vo a data volume, you need VPC. If you want to connect to S3, you need a VPC. So this is the fundamental thing about VPCs. It's the underlying networking that allows you to do communications with the outside world or even inside AWS itself. 
within VPC, we have subnets, route tables, and network security. Can you break down the roles and how they contribute to a secure and well-organized network? Sure thing. So, as we said, VPCs are the underlying networking resource, what allows you to communicate. Now, a VPC is split into multiple sub-resources, one of them being subnets. So when you create a VPC, you say, this VPC is attached to Ireland, to a specific region. There are many, many regions in AWS, let's say Ireland being one of them. So your VPC, anything you attach to it, will be inside the Irish jurisdiction. Now, when you create a subnet, it's like a segment of that VPC, a section of that VPC. And when you create a subnet, you are also identifying the exact physical location within Ireland. So, as we know, we have the region. That region is split into multiple availability zones. These are like data centers, physical data centers, completely separate from each other to increase your reliability. So if, for example, you have 20 servers, those 20 servers, you're going to attach them to the Ireland VPC. You can have five of those servers attached to one subnet inside that VPC and another five servers attached to a different subnet inside that same VPC. So this allows you to have servers in one physical location, one data center, and different servers in a different physical location in that same region. So subnets allow us to split the physical location to ultimately increase reliability. Subnets also allow us to define what can come in and what can go out from that subnet. So you can have subnets which are public, meaning they connect directly to the internet. You can have subnets which are private, meaning only AWS resources in your VPC can connect to those servers in a private subnet. So they have a role in terms of reliability as well as security. Then there are root tables. And yes, some people call them route tables. So apologies, I am not Australian. So um, I'm going to call them root tables. So root tables are rules. They define whether your subnet is public or private. They define whether you can connect to the internet directly or whether you, you can only talk to other resources in the same AWS VPC. They have other uses. You can route traffic towards private VPNs, for example, virtual private networks. But most of the time, we use them from a routing mechanism to define what is public, what is private. Then there is there are some other resources which are inside this VPC that allow us to have networking done in a secure way. You have things like VPNs, which allow private connectivity from the internet to the VPC. The most important thing though to, think, to, to discuss here is security groups. Security groups are part of the VPC and they attach themselves to a specific server. They are like a firewall. They, they define what can come in and what can go out from that server. 
irrelevant if the incoming and outgoing is to the internet or to other internal AWS resources. They will define who and on which networking ports there can be communication to a specific server. These are the basics which define networking and ultimately also network security in AWS in general, but especially when it comes to EC2. So now we have reached the end of our episode. Today, we've covered load balancing, storage options, and network essentials. Stay tuned for next episodes about EC2. Until then, happy cloud computing. connected and never miss a beat be sure to follow our podcast channel for the latest episodes also you can follow us on instagram facebook twitter and linkedin to know more about all the updates in cloudfield and to know more about our upcoming webinars and events